Hey, this is Monty Nero, and you're listening to The Night Nerd. Welcome to The Night Nerd Podcast. I'm your host, Lance. It's Friday, so we're going to talk about what you want to talk about. All week, we've been talking journalism and reporters and things, uh, mostly because what happened to Omar Jimenez last week, uh, the CNN reporter who got arrested live on air, and that just uh, that just did not sit well with me. So we've been looking at famous reporters and journalists in pop culture. But today, we have a very special guest on the show, uh, my friend James Epler, who is the morning news guy on our local Fox station, uh, was nice enough to come sit down, talk to us, well, Zoom with us, and talk about the importance of his job, uh, the importance of, you know, just journalists in general, and it was a lot of fun, but don't worry, we we end on a light note, just because that's, you know, that's what we do. All right, we're here with James Epler. James, how are you doing today, sir? Doing well, Lance. Thanks for having me on. Uh, thank you for being here. I got to thinking you were the very first guest I had on my show. And that was like episode 98. And here we are, episode like 1126. So it's ah. nice to see things kind of come full circle. I'm, I'm glad to see the Night Nerds still doing so well. Um, I think it's, it's a good conversation that you've been able to have. And I didn't realize I was your first guest. That's pretty crazy. Yeah. It, you know, I wanted, it was the week of my 100th show. So I wanted to bring in people who... I knew and who were doing cool things. And that's kind of the reason I brought you uh, on today, or asked to have you on today, is all week we've been celebrating reporters and journalists and things. And you're one of our local uh, leads around here. And I just want to talk about your life and your journey and why it is important that you do the things you do. Well, I can tell you, I. Um... I love what I do. And I, and I do think that this moment in our history, there's not a more important time to do what I do for me personally. I mean, when you've got a pandemic and a revolution happening at the same time, um, what's happening every day is going to change our lives forever. Um, whether it's from the pandemic with how we do business and with the, uh, civil rights and, and civil justice concerns. Um, what is that going to mean for law enforcement, how we interact with law enforcement um, and indeed each other? So it's, it's, a, it's a huge honor to be able to do the work that I do and also a huge responsibility as well. And, and I feel like I have to earn that trust from an audience every day. Yeah. Uh, this week on the show, we've talked about famous fictional reporters from video games and comics and stuff. And we talked a little bit about the uh, yellow journalism from the early 1900s, you know, just to be fair and things. But I really feel like since the Cold War, you know, journalism has kind of risen back in prominence and gotten their credibility, Watergate, you know, everything like that. When was the point in your life when you decided, you know what, this is what I want to do. This is going to be my journey. You know, it's funny, I got into the news business, not because I wanted to do news, but because I wanted to review movies. Um, I went to Texas Tech 
and wrote for the University Daily, their newspaper, for four years, writing movie reviews, and thought, this is what I'm going to do. I got a degree in English and journalism and thought this, I'm going to write about movies. And I would take a job anywhere that would hire me to review movies. Um, so the job I have now at Fox 34, um, I'm in my 13th year there. I was hired to be the weekend producer. That's the, that's the tip kids. If you want to get a job, just take whatever you can get that's in that industry and get your foot in the door because once you prove yourself at what they've hired you to do, they might let you do what you want to do um, would be some of the best advice I could give. So I produced the weekends, Saturdays and Sundays, some very lonely days in the newsroom by myself, getting those night shows together. And then I, they let me review movies twice a week. And that was fine by me. Um, I also picked out some, some other skills along the way in terms of web producing and things like that. When they introduced a morning uh, show 12 years ago on Fox 34, they hired me for that. And I had no designs on being a news anchor ever. Um, but when they offered it to me, they liked how I sounded on the air. And, and so it, I, it took off. And since then, I've really fallen in love with news, which wasn't I always appreciated it, but never really fell in love with it until I was in it, until I was doing it every day. Um, and so now I would say I'm primarily a, a newsman. And yeah, I still do movies on the side. That's something I'm passionate about, but I'm a news junkie. And I just had a couple of vacation days recently and had to force myself to unplug because I'm, I'm addicted to it. I always have to know what's going on because I want to be informed. So my, my, uh, relationship with hard news it wasn't something that I'd always aspired to, but it, it kind of grew out of something else. That's cool. Yeah. It's in that, that line of entertainment and reality, uh, as we see now is kind of getting more and more blurred every day, but uh, for, for better or worse and making that jump, I think is important. You know, like you said, you took what you could get and it just grew from there. But in terms of, of growing in things, where do you see not only yourself, but news in general uh, going forward from here? I think the emphasis has to be for a lot of people is local. People want to know, especially with COVID-19, we've really seen that people trust their local news more than they trust the national guys because, you know, the national guys are on the West Coast, the East Coast, and that's primarily where their main audience is. But here in Lubbock, people want to know what, how many case numbers are we dealing with? Where, where's the, where are the infections happening? And how are local leaders addressing that? So I think the future of news is more local. And um, I think news organizations that put more of an emphasis on that are going to be more successful. Um, it's not just, oh, we only cover local stories. We look at national stories and say, okay, how does that apply to somebody here in Lubbock in West Texas? Something the federal government does or even something going on in another state, how does that impact our viewers? And I think that is, um, that's what people want. They can get on social media. They can get on any news site nationally and get what they need throughout the day. but that local angle is something that's still very valuable to viewers. Yeah. I, I think in the age we're in now, the information age or the internet age, whatever you want to call it, 
there is such an influx and overload of what's going on worldwide. I think we're starting to, like you said, realize what about my backyard? You know, I can tell you what's going on in New York. I can tell you what's going on in LA, Bangladesh, Paris, but I can't tell you what's going on across town. You know, then that's getting back to those roots, I think is something that you and your station do very well and is really cool. I think part of it too is I'm from Lubbock. I'm born and raised here. And that that adds a little bit of credibility too, because in this business, especially at the local level, you see a lot of people that they start here and then after two years, they're off to a bigger market or something. But as someone who has who is from here, who's plugged into the community here, born and raised, and now on the air for 13 years, people people know that, okay, he's going to be there. And to have that sense of normalcy, that sense of reliability that, okay, he's one of us, he, he knows Lubbock, and when I tune in in the mornings, he's going to be there, and he'll tell it like it is because he, he knows us. Um, and that's really important to me. I really value that. I mean, you can't go to the grocery store and see Lester Holt or, you know, George Stephanopoulos at United. You might see me there. You might see me <laughs> at Costco. You might see me at the park with my kid or, or someplace like that. Um, and I, I love it when people say hi to me, not because I, I, get, I get a rush out of, ooh, I'm famous, but the idea that, okay, they're watching and they feel comfortable enough to come say hello just like, like a normal person um somebody super famous locally like cliff kingsbury you know i don't think people could feel that comfort of just going up to him he wasn't super approachable right um but i think people develop a relationship just like your listeners do with you if they saw you out somewhere they'd know they could go up and say hi to you because they have a relationship with you they listen and they know what you think and they know they can trust you that's that's super valuable on the flip side of that, though, uh, talking about the other markets, where is that line? Uh, and I don't mean as far as like support and stuff, because we'll get into that. But when you are looking at other markets and other news stories and stuff, where do you draw that line of, okay, this is going to impact us locally, or, you know, maybe this isn't, and you have to make those calls of kind of, borderline clairvoyance you know i mean you can't predict the future obviously otherwise none of us would be where we're at right now but uh how how do you decide okay this is what is newsworthy for me and mine Hmm. i think it's on a case-by-case basis honestly um you look at a um if if someone robs a bank in you know wyoming somewhere is that does that really have an impact on my viewers? No, not really. If there's a, a robbery at a seven 11 in Salt Lake city and someone gets shot and killed, um, no, probably not, uh, relevant to my viewers. If there's a robbery at a seven 11 in Lubbock and the guy's still out there. Yeah, that's so there's, there's that obvious connection. Now you come into the idea of, you know, not every police shooting typically is, newsworthy for my viewers um, because uh, criminals and police have altercations, you know, all the time. But in this environment now, if you have another uh, black suspect who's shot by police, maybe typically 
you may report on that, you may not, depending on the circumstances. But now, in this hyper, uh, in this hypersensitive age that we're in, and what's going on right now, the 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 uh, the protests, it would be news because it's something that everybody's paying attention to. So, it really, it really just it's on a case by case basis. What's, what's the temperature I like out there right now? Yeah. Going back to your entertainment roots and to kind of paraphrase the plot of Anchorman two of all movies, but uh, I like that one, by the way, <laughs> I know it's not as good as the first, but I still like that. Yeah. I, I enjoyed it. You know, I, I miss it in theaters, but I bought it when it came out and I was like, Oh, okay, this is, it's kind of copy and paste, but more. And so it, sure. it's great. But in, in that movie, there's an argument about 24-7 news coverage and how depressing it's going to be. And that's a real argument a lot of people have is the lack of uplifting stories. And again, your station does a good job of reporting, oh, hey, look, here's not a, not a kitten in a tree, but you know, here's something the community's doing. Uh, with that, you know, is it kind of one of those, okay, every third story, every fourth story, we got to put something in there that's in you also see a lot of reporters not want those stories because they're not the hard-hitting stories you know how how does that work about getting the feel-good stories out there but still making them um i guess viewer worthy i'll I'll say two things about it one is that there's this idea that the news people only want to cover the bad news we only want to show the protests that are violent and where there are clashes with police and we don't want to show the solidarity and we don't want to show the silent protest because it's not good TV. And I can tell you that's just, it couldn't be more wrong because we want to show the good side of anything. Um, during COVID-19 at the very beginning of it, all of the news was so bad and so scary, right? So we really made an effort to like, okay, let's go actively try to find a good story that we can include in every newscast. And I'll tell you something, um, reporters love doing those stories because they actually get more clicks and views or at least as many than um, crime stories are so, quote unquote hard news. If you do a story about um, a police officer who stopped to play basketball with some kids in the neighborhood, man, do you know how many clicks that thing is going to get? If you do a story about a, a charity that has um, uh, miniature horses and they take them around to uh, nursing homes and just walk them by people's windows, that will get so many clicks and so many, so much sharing and so many views. So we don't just do news because, Ooh, what's going to get clicks. But what I'm trying to say is people love those stories and we love telling those stories because, you know, we're people too. And we don't, I mean, we don't like just reporting all the negative stuff. Um, it's just, unfortunately, a lot of news tends to be bad news. Otherwise it's, it's not always news. Um, if everything's going great, okay, where's the news there, right? But if there's something special happening that affects people in a positive way, I promise you we love doing those stories, both just for our own well-being. They're fun to put together because you have kids laughing, you have emotion. 
Um, and when you put that up on social media, people are desperate for good news stories and they will share those and they will click on those. And so that's good for us too. So it's a win-win. Now that doesn't mean we're going to do every feel good story out there like, Hey, this restaurant is opening or this place is having a sale. I mean, it has to be something that's going to really impact a good story. Um, and so we look for those, we search them out, especially at times like this that are really tough. One, one final question I want to ask you, uh, and that was a great response. And I hope our listeners, you know, take that to heart because with so many negative stereotypes and negativity out there in the world, you know, knowing that people are doing good actively going out and trying to find the good is awesome. And so hopefully, you know, that resonates. You know, that old uh, journalistic, if it bleeds, it leads type thing, which means basically bad news, man, is great for ratings. And honestly, people, people had the idea that, well, the media really ginned up this COVID-19 thing. And let me just tell you, um, we benefit not at all from making COVID-19 a bigger deal than it was because we depend on advertising for our, for our paychecks, right? Well, if we're making a big deal out of something that's not real and closing businesses, we're losing money. So it, it doesn't make sense for us to try to, make, to, to try to make a fake story for viewers that's going to close businesses because it doesn't matter if 5 million people watch me every morning. If I don't have advertisers or if I don't have businesses that can afford to advertise, doesn't matter. I'm not making any money. And news, yes, is a business and we depend on advertisers. I'm, I'm glad you said that because that segues perfectly into what I was going to ask is the term that we've come to adopt by everybody in recent years is fake news and everybody's an expert and uh, you know, it's used to just, I'm amazed at how many constitutional scholars I have on my Facebook feed who are also doctors and who are also lawyers and who are also, I mean, it's just, everybody's so good at everything. Yeah. Uh, we, we're Facebook friends. You see, I just post like stupid videos of my kid singing songs or, or stuff because Same. I don't know. I'm like, you ask I mean, me about comics, wanna, I'll tell you. I want to talk about movies. I want to see what you had for brunch. I want to see whatever your kids are doing. All of that. Yeah. I, I, I'm about all of that stuff. Social media, like be social. But right. with that, you know, so I'm, I'm old enough. We're old enough to remember when it was just tinfoil hats, crazy conspiracy theorists. But like you said, now it seems like everybody has a theory. And I mean, everyone has an opinion and I get that. But how do you combat that with so many people? Uh, and I know it's more on the national level, especially where you, know, you get such loyalty uh, to the point of hatred for somebody else on the national level. It's, one, do you experience that on the local level? And two, how do you go against or I hate to say combat because you're not fighting you are but you're not uh people who are like oh well you're wrong and even though you're like hey here's facts here's science here's stuff that that shows that i'm right i mean how how hard is that to deal with all the time um it can be uh exhausting i'll be honest Uh, and it just i'm sure you can guess the types of stories that we 
um, get a lot of feedback on. I mean, if you post anything involving the president of the United States, you will have both factions show up and you've made, if I've made both sides upset, that probably means I've done the story well. Um, you know, all you can do in this age of, of fake news is just make sure when you talk about facts, it's just like the bedrock of journalism. Make sure you have sources. Make sure that you've done the the homework, the groundwork. And so that if somebody just wants to say you're wrong and I have different facts, well, okay. Um, but make sure that you've got reliable sources. Make sure that as often as you can, you're not using anonymous sources. Um, anonymous sources have to be used sometimes. Um, so I'm not saying they should never be, but that's often a big criticism. Um, and we don't get a lot of anonymous sources at the local level, but you're right, national level stories. Um, it's just make sure you're sticking to those tenets of journalism where you are checking your facts, that you are citing your sources, and um, that you're telling the truth. And even if, even if uh, we, have a, we have kind of a situation where we are constantly having to be on our toes about, okay, what, what really are the facts here? What's been said before? What's been done before? Um, and that's why I stay so plugged in. Like I mentioned before, I'm, I'm always looking at news because I always want to be updated. Because if you're not informed, if you don't know about what you're reporting, you don't have any business reporting on it. Yeah, I, I agree. And if just everybody who would take that in and think about it, you know, not not people in your field, but people who especially are not in your field and say, oh, wait, hey, he's right here. So that, that was my last serious question. Uh, we talked a little bit off mic about how I like to keep things upbeat and stuff. So I want to ask, what movie are you looking forward to? And were there any new releases you got to watch during quarantine that you were looking forward to in theaters? Um, I will tell you, I'm, I'm curious about Tenet, not just because it's Christopher Nolan. I mean, he's always doing, he's always going to do something interesting. I'm curious if they are going to make that July release date they think they're going to make. Um, I don't know if people are going to be ready to go back to movie theaters. If the reports are true that it's three hours and 15 minutes, I'm not sure how that works either. Um, so I'm very interested in that picture um, for a lot of reasons. And, and also from the business standpoint, um, I was really looking forward to the last James Bond movie. So have to wait on that. Uh, I know my wife was too, although for probably different reasons than me, <laughs> but um, you know, since I've been home, um, you know, I haven't watched just a ton um, because I've got a kid I'm trying to be a kindergarten teacher to, which has been a whole different challenge. I uh, had a few days off recently and watched some things. I thought Bad Education on HBO with Hugh Jackman and Allison Janney was really, really good. I think if it had been released in theaters, you'd be talking Oscar nomination, at least for Hugh Jackman. Some of his best work, it's a true story about an embezzlement scheme for a wealthy school district back in the early 2000s. Really good. Um, I didn't think that, um, I didn't think the Kamal Nanjiani Netflix movie was good. That was supposed to be in theaters, The Lovebirds. Boy, I think it would have flopped in theaters because it sure wasn't very good. 
think Chris Hemsworth, uh, his, his movie um, Extraction was kind of fun, but not, not a lot special about it. The best movie I've seen this year is actually a movie that came out last year, but it just came to Hulu. It's, it's available now. It's a French film called Portrait of a Lady on Fire. And if you're into romances, uh, this one will just knock your socks off. Yeah, that popped up on my recommended uh, just the other day. And I was like, well, it, usually whatever they use, Hulu is pretty spot on on their recommendations for me. So now hearing it from it, you, I, I definitely got to check it out. I highly recommend you click on it. It's um, it's again, it's a French film and it's uh, about a, a woman who's about to be forced into a, a marriage that she doesn't want to be. Uh, she doesn't want to be a part of. And this artist is brought in, this woman brought in to paint a portrait of her before the wedding. And the two of them end up developing a relationship. And it's um, just a beautiful, beautiful film. Um, highly highly female centric. I think there's one male speaking role and I think he has one line in it. Um, so I think it's, I think it's one that a lot of people need to see. Um, so seek that out on Hulu for sure. Nice. We watched uh, invisible man, which I know got in theaters for a couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. I'm not normally a horror type person, but I was surprised by it. Like it was way better than I expected it to be. Most of the stuff that has Bloomhouse on it. You know, they know their market. They make their movie which normally isn't mm-hmm. for me, but the wife is a big scary movie person. So I was like, all right, we'll, we'll sit down and watch it. And I was pleasantly, I mean, it's not going to win any awards or anything, but I was pleasantly surprised with that one. I think Elizabeth Moss is such a fantastic actress too. And they could have cast any, you know, um, you know, Megan Fox type in that role. But the fact that they cast like a really fantastic actress for that was a really good decision. I think uh, nothing against Megan Fox, but I mean, I think we know, I think we know what we're getting at here. Um, she makes her movies. And <laughs> sure. Um, and Jennifer and Jennifer's body was fine. Um, but I think that was an interesting choice, but it's, it'll be interesting to see when people are going to be ready to go back to movie theaters and how theaters are going to sell those tickets. I mean, are they going to, how are they going to space people out? You know, I mean, could you wind up in a seat that you don't want to be in because of social distancing? Do they only sell every other row? I mean, that's how they're going to work that out is going to be really curious. And for them to think that this, you know, $200 million three hour movie is going to be the answer. I think they stand a lot. If they lose that bet, that's a lot of money. They'll, they'll lose on that. But I don't think Nolan is in any mood to have his movie go straight to VOD. He, he's a big believer in the theater experience and he's been pushing hard to keep that release date. Mm-hmm. I, and well, and then you also have the, like, is it AMC that's not showing the new fast and furious movie or is it region? One of them, one of the big, bigger theater chains is having this whole big debate with universal because universal wants to do day yeah. and date. And I was talking to some people that I think with that, we are one step away from being like Xbox and PlayStation where, oh, you want a Universal movie? You have to go to Cinemark. You want a Disney movie? You have to go to AMC and getting theater exclusives, which could everybody else, if you look, movie theaters are about the only, well, Alamo has exclusives. I mean, movies that they've made and produced. I, I think we're one or two steps away from seeing that. And I hope I'm wrong because... I love our town, but we don't have many movie theaters. So 
you know, if something is an AMC exclusive or a region exclusive, I'm not going to drive four and a half. I mean, depending on the movie, I'm probably not going to drive four and a half hours to Dallas to see it. So that's another they're looking at. I don't think um, I don't think that's as likely because the different. I mean, we don't have a an AMC in in this area, and a lot of places are like that. I think the thing with AMC and Universal will work itself out. I mean, Fast Nine or F Nine, whatever the hell it's called, is still a year away, and so they'll work something out because that movie will make a billion dollars. So they'll figure something out. Um, I don't know if day and date is going to work for a lot of, uh, I don't think there's as much money to be made there. I know Scoob did well and Trolls did well, but that was in lockdown when people were desperate for a movie for their kids and 20 bucks is like, Hey, I can swing that. I don't think it will work well for every release. Um, it would be interesting. It would be interesting if Disney debuted Black Widow for example, on Disney Plus to see, you know, if subscriptions go up. We might get a sense of that with Hamilton in July because they were going to release that in theaters next fall of 2021 and have moved that up. So um, it'll be interesting to see, but I, I don't feel like theaters are going to be going away anytime soon. There's just still so much money to be made. Yeah. Well, in some of in. I know you're the same mind. Like I have to see some movies in the theater. Your Chris mm-hmm. Nolan movies, um, even Martin Scorsese movies, you know, certain directors, they have that eye where, no, I need to see it on the big screen. You know, I have a big TV. I have a good surround sound. I have all that, but I don't have a theater. And I, that experience, and we are a dying breed. You know, I know a lot of younger people would rather just watch it on Netflix, but I still like the in the theater big screen popcorn in hand opening night like that's just something i grew up with that i don't think i'll ever lose and i i hope i'm right like i hope it sticks around forever i think with the big movies like your star wars and marvel and dc franchises the the big spectacle movies i think you'll always have that for smaller films though yeah maybe they and you mentioned scorsese well scorsese has gone streaming and I mean, the Irishman, I went and saw the Irishman in a movie theater and, you know, sat for the whole thing and didn't have to get up and pee once. I was really proud of myself. Um, and then you watch it at home and it does lose something. It, it does. You, you, your eyes take in less information than you do when you're looking at the big screen. So even for a guy like Scorsese, I think uh, there's still something about that cinematic experience that I hope we don't. I'm like you. I hope we don't lose it. Well, awesome. Well, James, thank you so much for being on the show. Um, besides watching you on air, where can our listeners find you online? Uh, I'm, I'm on Twitter at James Epler and same with Instagram. Um, that's where I post a lot of my reviews and I teach a class at Texas tech as well. So, um, but mainly Monday through Friday, five to nine on Fox 34. Nice. Awesome. And James, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you so much for what you do um, for not only our community, but you know, everybody who reads the online articles, everybody who follows and in this time more than ever, like I said, what you do is really important and we are really, really grateful. Lance, thank you for the compliment and thanks for giving the attention to the media. It's very much appreciated. All right. That was a lot of fun. Uh, Learned a lot of cool things. Got to see, you know, what, 
behind the scenes, I guess you would say, as far as what goes on and all the choices they have to make and everything. Make sure you follow James out there everywhere he mentioned and then follow my Fox 34 Lubbock online as well. Get all the latest news and updates and stuff. Make sure you follow us, The Night Nerd. We're on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, TikTok, Mixer, uh, pretty much anything but dating sites we were on. Just look for The Night Nerd. You can email me, nightnerd at thenightnerd.com. I love talking to everybody and everything. Uh, this week was different. It was heavy but fun at the same time. I want to thank you all so much that listened and went with me on this journey and you know acknowledged what's going on and what has happened and what needs to happen and everything so uh, yeah just be aware uh, thank you all for listening again i'm lance and we'll see you next week what the world